Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. Good morning. Um, today's sutta, in honor of uh, the holiday here in the United States, is the Kula Sakaka Sutta, subtitled The Fearless and Independent Dhamma. Um, and in this sutta, the Buddha continues an important underlying theme of his Dhamma in that in, in order for his Dhamma to be effective, it needs to be kept pure. It can't be embellished in any way by other practices or attached to other practices and still call it the Dhamma. Um, the Buddha avoided the fabrication of appeasement that was common in his time and I would say rampant today. There's hardly a religious leader, uh, including major Buddhist leaders, that don't constantly continue the rhetoric that all religion is basically one and that all religions have a resolution in the same place or the same idea or the same concept. And uh, when you think just a little bit, it doesn't take anybody as brilliant as me to realize how hurtful that can be to anyone who has a strong religious view um, and, and a good example of that would be modern jihad uh, and I'm not saying that, that this aspect of ignorance is the main cause of jihad but people that are fiercely loyal and believe that their religion could not sure who that is there's some noise in the background anybody know who, where it's coming from? Just every, if everybody could just mute your mics until we get to the discussion, it would be a good idea. Um, where was I? Jihad. Where was I? Jihad. Jihad. So, uh, yeah, what a place to, to lose, your, uh, lose your train of thought. Um, insisting and in, in creating this um, philosophical view, a worldwide philosophical view that all religions are basically the same, um, denigrates every religion, minimizes every religion down to some common denominator that we might all agree on. Uh, again, see all the fabrications in it. And, it, and it, it, it can create in people that are fiercely loyal a hell of a strong resentment that can lead to something that looks like jihad. But that, that would be an extreme reaction to what's occurring. But I, I would think that, um, I think about my parents who were, who were devout Roman Catholics to their death. Um, it, it's offensive. I remember talking to my mother about this because I was just getting into Buddhism. This was many, many years ago. And she was offended hearing this 40 years ago that, that Buddhism and, and Catholicism and everything else is all the same. And when you think about it, here's a woman who devoted her life to one belief, right or wrong, and all of a sudden she's told by, by leaders, people that should know better, that it's all one thing and everything resolves in the same. So we, we need to be careful with our thoughts, but also... Careful with our words about the Dhamma as we go forth and, um, and teach the Dhamma. You notice that um, there's no proselytizing here. I teach the Dhamma in this room and, and when approached, that's it. And I teach it that way because in this room I can control what I have a right to control what I'm talking about. And so you notice that we only talk about the Dhamma. We only talk about a fearless and independent Dhamma. And don't try to bring other Dhammas, Dharmas into this as a way of appeasing people, as a fabricated appeasement like is going on today. And that happened um, almost every class in the beginning. Like there was always somebody here that said, 
Why don't we listen to this tape? And why don't we do this chant? And why don't we bow? And why don't we smudge the room? And my answer was, that's all wonderful stuff. You can do it on your own. It's not part of Dhamma practice. So this, and I learned that too also from first practicing in, in most of the major modern Buddhist schools and just getting more confused and frustrated and then coming across what the Buddha taught and how he taught it. And again, this is a common theme. The Buddha constantly reiterates, if you're going to develop his Dhamma, it must be practiced as a fearless and independent Dhamma. And that's an important line, fearless too. The Buddha doesn't rely on fear, which is an aspect of greed, in order to gather followers. He doesn't base this on, if you don't do this, when you die, you're really going to be in trouble. If you think you got a tough life now, wait till you die because you don't believe. Well, the Buddha knew that was nonsense and hurtful and rooted in fear. He, teached the, he taught and continues to teach a fearless and independent Dhamma. One morning, Venerable Asaji, one of the monks of the Buddhist Sangha, was in Vasali on his alms round. Sakaka noticed Asaji and recognized him as a follower of Gautama, the contemplative, the Buddha. Master Asaji, how does Gautama, the contemplative, generally instruct his disciples? Agavasana, Gautama, the rightly self-awakened one, instructs his disciples in a general way as follows. And, and this relates to the, the five clinging aggregates, which is the Buddha's description of the ongoing personal experience of, du of Dukkha, the underlying theme of his Dhamma. We're here to recognize, understand, and abandon our contributions to Dukkha. We had an interesting conversation between the two teachers that are here this morning, Ram and David, uh, about the, there's no direct mention of Dukkha. Why? Because it is, and anybody who's a Dhamma practitioner at that time and this time knows that that's the key theme. That's what we're developing understanding of. And they know that because they understand the Buddhist teaching on the Eightfold Path and what right view, etc., develops, which is a profound understanding of the nature of suffering. Gautama the Contemplative instructs his disciples in a general way as follows. Form is impermanent. That thing that we think is ourselves, it's impermanent. Immediately the Buddha is teaching us, in, in this, in, through the years, to don't take yourself personally. Form is impermanent. If it's impermanent, how could it be a self? And why would you want to try to establish a permanent self in something that is inherently impermanent? In the next moment or the next hundred years, it's going to be gone. There'll be nothing left of this that we are saying is me. It's not. Form is impermanent. Feeling is impermanent. Perception is impermanent. Mental fabrications are impermanent. And consciousness, that which we are so enamored with, is impermanent. Being impermanent, form is not self, and, the, and the, the teaching could be form cannot be a self as it's impermanent, as it's impermanent. Feelings are not self, perceptions are not self, the mental fabrications formed from that ignorant per perception are not self, and the consciousness that's maintaining this ignorance is not a self. It's not you. That's the Buddhist teachings on anatta. The views you hold of a self are not a self. Let go of the views. Notice the Buddha doesn't say, you're a fool, you're bad, you're wrong, you're a sinner. He just says, recognize where your ignorance lies, and gently, and with conviction, let it go. All impermanent phenomena is not self. All impermanent phenomena. No matter what we're attaching ourselves to, a new car, a relationship, a brand new house, uh, the bridge that we're living under, it doesn't matter. If we create an, create an identity over it, oh, poor me, i got to live under a bridge, we're in trouble because even that is impermanent. And 
Maybe you're going to have to move out from under the bridge. We're just using you know, maybe a silly example. But everything that we attach ourselves to, rooted in ignorance, is impermanent and will cause stress. The key themes of the Dhamma, and this also obviously relates to the Vipassana structure study, is understanding this key theme. All impermanent phenomena is not self. In short, the five clinging aggregates are impermanent and so not self. <clears throat> Agavasana, this is in, in a general way, this is the general way that Kotama, the rightly self-awakened one, instructs his disciples. What an awful thing to hear, Master Asaji, that Gotama the contemplative teaches this sort of thing. Then notice how threatened he is by something that would challenge his own beliefs, rather than say, here's an interesting view, let me at least listen to it. Maybe I'll adopt it, maybe I won't. But a mind that's rooted in ignorance will, will snap shut at anything that will challenge its ignorance. Perhaps someday we could meet Gautama the contemplative and change his evil view. Talk about a savior. A person rooted in the... And think about the damage they could have done if they actually succeeded. We wouldn't be here today, would they? If they were a good debater, we'd be doing something else. A short while later, a group of Lakavis, about 500 in total, were gathered at a meeting house, meeting hall. Sakaka addressed the group. Come with me to debate Gautama the Contemplative. If he talks, this, takes the same position with me that he does with his followers, I will thrash him about statement by statement. Common in today's time and common during the Buddha's time was this enamored view of a debate. That if, if you were a good debater and you could win someone or win a debate, that also proved the validity and efficacy of whatever you're, you were debating. In this case, this particular form of religion. So Sakaka knows that he's going to beat up the, the Buddha based on what the Buddha is claiming is his Dhamma. I will amuse myself with Gautama. The Lakavis, knowing both teachers, were mixed as to what to expect. Some thought Sakaka would prevail, some felt the Buddha would prevail. They followed Sakaka to seek out the Buddha. They found the Buddha in the great forest. Forest After among... After Exchanging courteous greetings, Sakaka sat to one side. Yeah, somebody, somebody questioned me, why, do you always, why is it always in the suttas that whoever approached the Buddha sat to one side? It's just a practical respect. They understand that the Buddha is teaching a large group. They didn't want to just plant themselves right in front of them. So just out of respect, they sat to one side. Sakaka sat to one side. Some of the Lakavas were respectful to the Buddha, clapping their hands in front of them. Some remained silent. Sakaka addressed the Buddha. I would like to question you, Master Gautama, on a certain, a certain point, if you would grant me the favor of an answer. Ask Agabasana as you see fit. In general, what is your instruction to your disciples? I instruct my disciples in this general way. Form is impermanent, feelings are impermanent, perceptions are impermanent, fabrications are impermanent, and consciousness is impermanent. As such, form is not self, feelings are not self, perceptions are not self, mental fabrications are not self, and consciousness is, is not self. Excuse me. So right off the bat, the teaching is that everything you hold about yourself is not a self. That is contradicting everything that Sakaka is holding in mind. 
all impermanent phenomena are not self. All impermanent phenomena are not self. All religions teach some way to make what is impermanent permanent and create structures out of these things that the Buddha says it's foolish to even recognize. And it's even more foolish to attach yourselves to even the concepts that would, that would continue fabrications in a physical world or, or what we're talking about. All impermanent phenomena are not self. All, including the phenomena of fabrications. In fact, you could say especially the phenomena of fabrications. Including, as I said earlier, the fabrication of appeasement. Human beings do not like conflict. So it's natural that we would use our fabricated religions in a way that protected that way, that way of living. Meaning every religion is also focused on appeasement rather than a fearless and independent view of what it means to be a human being. That's the significant difference. That's the hurtful difference. This, in a general way, is how I instruct my disciples. A simile occurs to me, Master Gautama. Any seed that grows and spreads is dependent on the earth. In the same way, any individual with form, in connection with form, taking sustenance from form, produces merit or demerit. Meaning they're contributing to the, the value or, or lack of in the form. It's up to that individual to develop the form as they see fit and to, and to apply all the, applies the wrong word, and to develop all the value in that form. That's how every human being sees itself. That's why we take this whole thing personally. That's why when we try to do something and don't succeed, we take it personally. We think that we failed because we had an ideal that that John or that Adam or anybody else should be able to do this. And when we fail, we take it personal. Rather than just living a life and say, this is what I'm, I'm doing right now, and maybe I'll hit 300, and maybe I won't. But in the meantime, I'm going to have a hell of a good time because I'm not taking it personal. Any individual with feelings, taking sustenance from feelings, how are you feeling today? Oh, I feel bad. I just got recognition. That's sustenance from feeling. Or how are you feeling today? I'm on top of the world. You're taking sustenance from feeling. We all do that, don't we? In fact, we created its own religion. How are you feeling today? And the answer to that will determine how we're going to feel the rest of the day for most of us. Taking sustenance from feelings produces merit or demerit. Any individual with perceptions, with mental fabrications, with consciousness, taking sustenance from perceptions, from fabrications, from consciousness, produces merit or demerit. And again, the, using this thing that the Buddha identified as the cause of all suffering is now being declared as this is life. This is how we live our life, by feeding this thing, by gaining sustenance in the five clinging aggregates. Agavasana, are you saying form is myself, feeling is myself, perception is myself, fabrications are myself, and consciousness is myself? Yes, Master Gautama, I am saying that I am saying that I won't repeat it again. And all of those that came with me think the same way. Of course, that's not quite true. Very well, I will cross cross question your statements. What do you think, Agavasana? Would a noble king wield power in their domain to execute those that deserve execution, or to banish those that deserve banishment, or to tax? or find those that deserve to be taxed or fined. 
Is such a noble king in control of his domain? If he did these things, if he was able to do these things. Yes, Master Gautama, a noble king would be able to control his domain in this manner. Notice the Buddha is not making any type of moral or value judgment on what the king was doing. He's just saying this is what a king does. And he's relating it in an impassionate, dispassionate, impersonal way to this, what's occurring here. When you say that form is, is self, do you have power over that form? Can you have your form be any different than it is? For years and years, from the time I was 12, 12 to about 64, I thought that I could have this form play center field for the Yankees. It never happened. But I always thought that I could make this form be different than it was. Well, I didn't always. I thought that way until I was about 26. Sakaka, Sakaka could not answer and remain silent. Again, the Buddha asked Sakaka, Well, Agavasana, when you say that form is self, do you have power over that form? Can you have your form be any different than it is? Or can we? Again, Sakaka could not answer and remain silent. Agavasana, you have engaged me in this debate. It will be to your detriment to not answer. I will ask you one more time. When you say that form is self, do you have power over that form? Can you have your form be any different than it is? No, Master Gautama. Well, listen closely to what I am saying, Agatasana, and answer only after you have paid attention. Only after you paid attention. The Buddha is saying, try to get past your conditioned thinking and listen carefully. Your answer is inconsistent with your statements. And no, the Buddha is not debating. He's just telling Agavasana where his stress and suffering arises. As he would say, Vasaki. Vis- Vis- is that the right word? can't remember his name now. That it was his questions that are confusing. It's what we're holding in mind that's confusing us. It's not the Dhamma that's confusing. Your answer is inconsistent with your statements. You also said that feelings are self, that perceptions are self, that mental fabrications are self, and that consciousness is, is, is self. Can your feelings be different than as they occur? Can your perceptions, your fabrications, or your consciousness? No, of course they can't. What I'm holding in mind in this moment can't be any different than what I'm holding in mind in this moment. It may change in the future, but in the present, this is what's occurring. No, Master Gautama, they can't. Well, listen closely to what I'm saying, Agavasana, and answer only after you have paid attention. Your answer is inconsistent with your statements. Is form impermanent or inconstant? Impermanent, Master Master Gautama. And is that which is impermanent, easeful or stressful? Stressful, Master Gautama. Likewise, are feelings, perceptions, mental fabrications, or consciousness impermanent or constant? Impermanent, Master Gautama. And is that which is impermanent, easeful or stressful? Stressful, Master Gautama. And is it fitting to regard what is inconstant, stressful, subject to change, as this is mine, this is myself, this is what I am. Remember the Bahia Sutta, same teaching. No, Master Gotama. So anytime we self-identify with anything, it's unskillful. It's contrary to the Dhamma. That's where our stress arises. That's, where we're, that's what the five clinging aggregates carry from moment by moment. So recognizing and unbinding these five clinging aggregates is liberation. And anything that would distract away from understanding this 
is also part of the problem. No matter how wonderful the teaching itself might be, how, how many of our friends might be practicing it, no matter how many people think that that poem is a wonderful Dhamma teaching. It's very rare that a poem could be a Dhamma teaching, especially today. The Dhamma is the Dhamma. It's fearless and independent, only when it's kept that way. What do you think, Advasana? When one holds to stress, is attached to stress, and thinks of stress as this is mine, this is myself, this is what I am, would he understand stress or be able to free, be free of stress? <coughs> no, Master Gautama. Agavasana, don't you hold to stress? Aren't you attached to stress? And don't you think of stress as this is mine? This is myself? This is what I am? Yes, Master Gautama. Please tell me how a disciple of Master Gautama develops the instruction to end all doubt, to end all questions, to be free, to be fearless and independent of others and their teachings. That's a powerful statement. Because Agapasana now realizes what his conditioned thinking came from. He's not quite through with it yet. but Agapasana, when a disciple of mine develops right view through the Eightfold Path, they then see, they, they, they then see any form past, present, or future, internal, external. Internal, external, meaning inside the form or outside the form in some speculative magical realm. Again, the Buddha comes back to it over and over again. Don't establish yourself in magic. It's only painful. In any form, present, or future, internal, external, common or sublime, near or far, clearly as form has come to be, this is not me, this is not mine, this is not myself, this is not what I am. So anytime we feel ourselves attached to this form, remind yourself that. Get into the habit of that. That's a good habit to have. That's a skillful habit. This is not me, this is not mine, this is not myself, this is not what I am. Anytime we feel stress in the body, that's what we go to. This is not mine. Because it means that we're countering the self-identification that's causing the immediate stress. The Buddha continues, through right view, through right view, my disciples know that any feeling, perception, mental fabrication, or consciousness, past, present, or future, internal, or external, common, or sublime, near or far, fabricated or unfabricated, it's all fabricated, clearly as form has come to be, this is not me, this is not mine, this is not myself, this is not what I am. Agavasana, this is how my disciples carry my message and my instruction to end all doubt to end all questions, to be fearless and independent of others and their teachings. What a powerful statement. After saying and reminding us that this is not me, this is not what I am, by incorporating that, then we can stay fearless and independent of others and their fabrications. So it's not just in fabricated salvific dharmas we want to be mindful of. It's any fabrication that would have us establish ourselves in any speculative realm, including the realm right here and right now, that I better be recognized as the world's greatest meditation teacher or it's just not worth my time. Or anything else that we might endeavor. We should always be at peace with no matter what we're developing, no matter what it is. For the sole reason is it's a peaceful experience. If it's not, it's because of our fabrication. It's because of what we're attaching to it. 
Master Gotama, how does one complete the path to end all defilements, to lay down the burden, the burden of self, and the fetter of becoming further ignorant? How does one become an arahant, released through right understanding? So if anybody's ever confused about Dhamma practice, here's the answer. Agavasana, when anyone, through right view, knows that form, feeling, perceptions, fabrications, or consciousness, whether past, present, future, internal, external, common, or sublime, that this is not me, this is not mine, this is not what I am. Through lack of clinging to ignorant views as sustenance. So we want to know what what maintains this ignorance? It's clinging to ignorant views. That's the sustenance. Through lack of clinging to ignorant views as sustenance, they are released. That's the key to the whole Dhamma. Stop clinging. Abandon clinging to all fabricated views. And how do you know what's fabricated and what's not? Because what's not will fit in the, in the framework of the Eightfold Path. It will fit within right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration or right meditation. If it doesn't, if it doesn't accurately incorporate one or all of those components, it's simply not Dhamma practice. And it can be and should be safely abandoned. Through their rights efforts, they have ended the defilements, laid down the burden, and the, and the fetter of becoming further ignorance. They have completed the path and are released through right understanding. Released through right understanding. There's no release through wrong understanding. Released? How do we know we're released? Released, they are endowed with unsurpassed right view. So we know where we've completed the path when our view is unchanging. That view is unchanging when it's always calm and at peace. It, it's not a stagnant view, though. It's not a view that cannot recognize the suffering that's inherent in the world. It's not a Pollyannish view. It's not a view that is um, completely distracted away from everything negative and stuck in a, in a fabricated positive view all the time, which, again, that's the modern religion, isn't it? That we should always have, always have a positive view because everything is positive. Well, it's not, according to the Buddha. Understanding, I'm sorry, let me go back with that. Released, they are endowed with unsurpassed right view. Unsurpassed practice, excuse me, and unsurpassed release. Unsurpassed, there's nothing beyond this. Release, they honor and respect the Tathagata in this manner. In this manner, they, re they respect and honor him. The Buddha teaches the Dhamma for awakening to four noble truths. The Buddha teaches the Dhamma to develop restraint. The Buddha teaches the Dhamma for developing tranquility. The Buddha teaches the Dhamma for ending ignorance. The Buddha teaches the Dhamma. The Buddha teaches the Dhamma for total unbinding. What's the theme of the, the Dhamma? Ignorance of four noble truths. Total unbinding from ignorance of four noble truths. Total unbinding from self-identifying with dukkha. Sakakta then said to the Buddha, It is we, Master Gautama, who were insolent, who were reckless, in that we construed that Master Gautama could be attacked statement by statement. May Master Gautama, together with a community of monks, acquiesce to my offer of, of tomorrow's meal. The Buddha acknowledged Sakaka with his silence. 
The next day, a lavish meal was, was prepared by the Lakavis for the Buddha and his Sangha. Sakaka himself served the Buddha and upon completion of the meal said, Master Gautama, the merits of this gift be exclusively for the happiness of the, of the donors. It's to this answer. Agavasana, what has been given to you, not without passion, not without aversions, not without delusion, that will be for the donors. In other words, what is freely given, not attached to ignorance, only that is for the donors. Meaning, any fabricated belief that think there, there is, there's a possibility of gaining some kind of merit, that's not, that's not part of this teaching. Whatever has come to me, without passion, without aversion, meaning whatever understanding has come to me that is lacking passion, lacking aversion, lacking delusion, it, that is free of ignorant views, that will be for you. That will be for you. It's the only thing, the Buddha is saying, the only thing that I can give you is understanding. And that is what is for you. I'm not giving you anything. I'm not giving you power. I'm not giving you prestige. I'm not giving you a position. I'm not giving you anything but understanding. That will be for you. I suppose the end of the sutra. So after 2,600 years, the Buddha is still giving us this one simple thing. And it's why I keep saying that it's a simple dhamma. It is understanding the nature of our own stress that is rooted in ignorance of Four Noble Truths. It's, again, so this, this sutta really does fit in with our study, even though it's, it's for this holiday weekend. This study is about understanding greed, aversion, and deluded thinking. That is the only insight, the word for that is Vipassana, that the Buddha ever taught, is gaining this insight. And once we gain the insight, we know. We're free. We're liberated. We're awakened. So let's go and start with Jen. Jen, how are you this morning? Everybody, Hi, um, thank you for the teaching. Um, <clears throat> and we had a third teacher here this morning too. I didn't acknowledge him. Sorry, Jen. <laughs> I um, yeah, this is a good one to come back to. Um, it's been—I feel like it's been a while since I've about a year. This this sutta, um, and it is it is helpful to remember that um, you know I feel like in this one excerpt through right few my disciples know that any feeling perception, mental fabrication or consciousness, past, present or future internal or external common or sublime, near or far clearly as form has come to be this is not me, this is not mine, this is not myself, this is not what I am. And I almost feel like at the end of that I want to put, because those things are stressful. I, I, that's, I, yeah, I, I think you're actually right, and especially... I mean, I'm not we, trying to rewrite the suit, no. but look, just for me to kind of remember that. So when, you know, when stress arises, when... when we are experiencing stress. It's not actually me experiencing that stress because yes, and because in order for stress to occur, you need to have on top. So you have to have that impermanent 
idea of who we think we are in order to also experience stress. So then when we're in that moment and confused and deluded, we can say... Hold on a second, Jen. Okay, is it, can everybody hear? I'm feeling stressed, so that is actually not me. Hold on a second, well, Jen. That's Something... all we can hold on, say hold on, hold on. because our mind is confused. Jen, hold on a second, please. I'm sorry. Can everybody hear? I can hear you. Okay. <laughs> Nobody was saying anything. All right, Jen. Sorry I interrupted you. Oh, that's okay. I, can my you microphone was flashing like it wasn't working for some reason. Uh, can you hear me, John? Yep. Okay. <clears throat> so, yeah. So, it gives you this uh, orientation to when you're in the moment of... of being stressed or feeling stressed, confused, deluded mind ha can't really release that stress until it recognizes that yep. it's it's not me experiencing that stress. Yes, you have to you have to let right. go of the identification, the self identification with what is stressful. Right. And again, that's it, pure dhamma. Again, that's that's what it is. Anytime there's, we feel stress in our lives, and I would say most of the times we don't, it's because we're, we're self-identifying whatever, with whatever it is. And it is, it's not, in a general way, it is all phenomena, but it's the, it's the discrete phenomena, what's arising in this moment, that our ignorance is attached to, and that's why we need to focus on it. The reason why I'm saying that is when we take that pernicious view that all is one thing, we miss the one thing that we need to be focused on. Because our focus is is too broad, and again, that's, you're pointing that out. So thank you, Jen. Glad you joined us. Uh, who's up there, Brian? How are you, Brian? John, thanks. Um, appreciate the teaching. Uh, I, I don't know that I have much to say this morning. I, I think just as I've been going through this, it is starting to get a little simpler, give or take. I mean, starting to understand the aggregates with uh, the Buga and how all of that relates. And this is a good suit to kind of walk through that and yeah. understand it further. So thank you. Yeah, good. I'm glad you joined. Alex, how are you this morning? Hey, John. Hi, everybody. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Um, well, what a great suit today. It was very engaging. It was like a bit of a drama, a bit of a drama at the start. And um, when they were going, going to confront him, this is the first one of really kind of got excited about to see what the outcome is of this yeah. presentation and it's really helped me think about who this man was as a person and yeah. how he dealt with conflict um yeah it was really great it's really i'm really getting enjoying imagining this the buddha as a real human being rather than this fictional character that we look to um and then the way he handled the conversation uh, uh, by, by using examples was interesting and how like for me how today the other person Aggie Vestanal whatever his name is today it would be quite unlikely that they would back down so so easily there'd be a lot of ego probably and a lot of stubbornness and so often we see people but, but I was wondering if and I don't know if um, this is uh, fair to say, but would it be fair to say that the Buddha's presence it, in in itself would have been quite convincing just to meet him and see how he carries himself 
yes. would, have been, would have been something that just convinces you anyway. Is that fair to say? Yes, and that, that, that's what all, like Bahia Sutta is a good example of that, but many of them are. It was just the Buddha's uh, presence, his countenance, that convinced many, including the, the Chaka Pavatana Sutta, the, the friends that he, be, he had um, left, and now he befriended them again. They saw the Buddha in his countenance, and they said, this guy knows what he's talking about. Um, but there were still many that, no matter how the Buddha carried himself, weren't going to go along with him, including you know, family members that tried to kill him at different times. But you're right about that. And when you said that, I almost jump out of my seat because it was when I finally got that, the, yeah, this guy's a human being through actually reading his suttas and not listening to other people's stuff. I saw this, this man, this human being, and it was suttas like this where he was, in, he was engaged in the world just like we are with people, you know, that have, with different views and different inclinations. And, and he just stayed present, said this is what it is and this is what it's not. And that's what we're doing. It's great that you saw that too, so I'm glad you joined us. Um, I think, I think that is, Tom, how you doing? Hi, uh, hi John, hello everyone. Um, yeah, maybe just to follow on actually, I've got a, a quick reflection and, uh, and a quick question if that's okay. Sure. Um, so for the reflection, I think following on from, from, um, what you were just discussing with Alex about how the Buddha would have sort of dealt with these very real world situations. It actually brings me back, and I hope Alex, you don't mind me sort of pretty briefly sharing this story, but we were actually dis discussing the, the Sangha last weekend in a park in, in the UK, and someone overheard us, and, you know, very friendly, but very um, quite, let me just say, quite new age, new agey in his sort of uh, beliefs, right? So... We were kind of on the same page, but also kind of slightly, or at least I felt not, not entirely. And I, I found that I got a bit stressed by it because I was kind of frustrated. I was a little bit frustrated by, I saw at least a little bit of what I felt to be a little bit of kind of wrong view. And you mean in, in them or in you? No, in, 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 in them. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong, I see it all the time in me as well. But I mean, in terms of like sharing, like we were kind of connecting on Buddhism, but then also um, I just saw some ways in which it wasn't truly the Dharma, yeah. right, what, what he was talking about. And, and I found it a bit stressful, like a little bit like, oh no, what happens if when we start the UK Sangha, what if, um, you know, we have people that, you know, how, how would I deal with that? Or yeah. am I going to find it frustrating? Or am I going to be overwhelmed by someone who has more knowledge than me? Um, and always a better, 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 you know, arguing these things or whatever it might be. And so this suitor was just really helpful in terms of just realizing that it's all about, the teaching is just all about bringing peace at the end of the day. And yeah. um, being very, um, uh, um, you know, and, and even the teaching itself, not clinging to it too much, you know, not even that, that idea of this is not me, this is not mine, it's not who I am. It's, 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 it's um, as you were saying, it's something that you, it's, um, yeah, we're not, we're not there to sort of, you know, evangelize, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and it's just being very calm and knowing how to deal with those situations and still being very sort of uh, loving and listening to people and just accepting um, uh, you know where they are at, even if it's not quite aligned with 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 how you see things. So that yeah. was something that I found quite quite hand, um, 
And if I can very quickly ask a question, because sure. I was actually listening to, I think, the last um, class you had, and I think it was Mary who mentioned this idea of distraction and um, how, and I, I hope it was, I hope I, I hope I didn't get it wrong, but I think it was Mary, and, you know, how she will now come home and she's a bit less inclined to just switch the TV on and watch the TV and all of these distractions that take us away from perhaps um, uh, the Dharma, all of the distractions in the world. Uh, my question is, uh, sometimes I'm just exhausted. Even if I can um, logically see that um, it's good to, um, you know, these are distract, like watching a YouTube video or whatever it might be is a bit of a distraction. Sometimes you're just exhausted and you just need a break. And I don't want to be sort of meditating every second of the day. So how do you, how do you get clarity on that in the sense yeah. that, um, what level of distraction is, or is any level of distraction acceptable um, as a way of just switching off and relaxing? Or um, um, it, what's, what's your take on that? Great, great question, Tom. All levels of distraction are acceptable. In fact, if we're going to get rid of distraction, we first have to accept it. That doesn't mean we approve of it. But that, that, that important difference allows us to recognize and abandon distraction. Um, It's just a matter, I know it might be a disappointing answer, but all of this is just a matter of continuing with authentic Dhamma practice, um, knowing what it is, and also knowing what it isn't. You, you mentioned something about um, people coming in and you, don't, you might not know how to handle them if they're challenging you. One of the reasons to set up the structure, one of the reasons why teacher's training is that, you, you, the three of you and every, all the other teachers here, the six of us now, um, you all agreed that as, as Dhamma teachers, you were going to teach only the Dhamma. That's part of the structure. And also in your training, you're learning how to do that. This is an important uh, sutta for teachers because it does just what you talked about. It, it clearly shows the Buddha teaching and the importance of keeping it pure. So when you have a structure that says, Cross River Meditation Center, all we talk about is the Buddha's Dhamma. And, you, you, and I, I even say, as presented on Cross River Meditation Center, with those 300 plus suttas that are restored, that's what we're teaching and nothing else. And so people know when they come here, or they learn very quickly, that we're going to talk about this and nothing else. And if that's interesting, fine. If it's not, it can't be anyway. Because I, I for one, did not want to go to a, start another New Age hall where people are just talking about everything that, that just pops into their mind. Because I had done that for many years. Um, that's, that's what I talked about that earlier. That's the fabrication of appeasement. What I wanted to do was understand what a Buddha taught. And I was able to do that when I finally focused on what he actually taught. I, I, when, when I started doing this, very initially, I had the thought that I think I found out what the Buddha actually taught. I think I'm on the right path. But I also accepted within myself that if this takes me to a place that I find unacceptable, I would not have any, any trouble just letting it go. And I would have then probably found the next New Age teacher. But what I found was a, a, something that actually worked, and so I practiced it, I developed it, and now I'm teaching it. And it's just that way. It's because of the Dhamma. You know, it's not because of any, any other inclination, except when you spend enough time with the restored Dhamma, it does reveal itself to you and becomes obvious. Like it did to, to Alex, that was great too, the way you said that, how you saw it. I want to hear, thank you, Tom. I want to hear what uh, Matteo has to say. Good talk last night, Matteo. Yeah, so hi, everybody, and uh, happy July the 4th. Hey, yeah. <laughs> the, um, so 
distraction. It's a, uh, to me, happens like you know, the more and more you are in uh, deeply involved with Buddhism, probably you find less and less distraction. It became natural and simple. And probably the most important thing for me is like to be aware. When I feel distracted, I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't do like, oh, I'm distracted. It's like, okay, I'm distracted and come back from my path. And yeah, uh, basically, I don't know if it's right or not, but I use the same technique I use for meditation. When I get distracted, I come back to my brain. That's and I say, it. Is it that I have to do or not? Uh, it's worthwhile. I just drop it. Yeah. And and about the sutra, I think uh, what I get is like uh, you know, again to be aware that we are don't we are not aware is a paradox. But uh, is that like to be independent from our mind, from our body, and uh, probably well, was it's difficult when we realize that probably they are very very much pleasant life yeah. yeah and that life cannot is only possible to a mind united with its body and again that's what we're learning Tom, Tom mentioned something too about med- meditating all the time uh, as a way of avoiding distraction and uh, you know, we meditate twice a day for whatever time we meditate um, personally I meditate for 30 minutes twice a day and I don't I don't very rarely I'll add some time and I med- might meditate for one or two or three hours but that's rare, and it's and it just kind of I feel like doing it. It's like you know, what I'm doing today is I'll meditate for a long time. But my general practice is 30 minutes twice a day. That allows me to maintain concentration. Um, it's simple. It's easy to do. I do it automatically. And so I would suggest that Tommy, I think you already have, is just establish two meditation times a day. Establish your length of time that you're at least going to try to do. And if you don't, that's okay too. Don't judge yourself harshly. But those two meditation sessions are your primary practice. That doesn't mean we can't meditate for longer periods of time or other times, but that should be our, our general practice is two set times a day. So. John, can I just say one thing? Sure. I can't remember the name of the sutta, but it's reminding me of the sutta, which I thought might be helpful to just point out to Tom, where I can't remember who goes to the Buddha, but he's questioned about uh, there's a there's a disciple that is questioned about the Dhamma and then he walks away from that conversation and he starts fabricating about how whether or not he handled it properly and then mm-hmm. he goes to the Buddha and he asks the Buddha oh, yeah. to and the Buddha basically says use the Dhamma yeah. and I can't remember the name of the sutta I can't, it's right here, but you remember wrong? Uh, I, I, I know which ones you're talking yeah. about, I don't have the name. Yeah, we just taught it. But you call him either a newcomer or an old man. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, me too, man. Right. Figure it out, I'll email you, Tom. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Jen. Um, Mary, how are you? Some really great contributions here, so I'll take noble silence. Thank you. Glad you joined us. Good morning, David. Each time I hear this, the thing that catches me, and I just remember what it meant when I first heard it was, uh, you have no power, you have no dominion over these aggregates. And that's that's the whole point. It was almost like a... A permission to stop fighting that within myself. Yeah. And 
get on with the business of kind of reprogramming the way your conditioned mind works. But if you could just accept the reality that you are not the boss of this. Yeah. this you are simply along for that ride and to understand it, that you don't have dominion. And that was an important lesson for me. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. An important lesson for all of us, isn't it? This is not, that's what David's saying. In a very eloquent way, he's saying, this is not me, this is not mine, this is not what I am. And again, just think about it. How much freedom there is to free ourselves of ourselves. That's what this Dom is about. Good morning, Andrew. Good to see you. You said something um, very simple, which uh, made me smile lightly, and it is essentially just have a good time and and release the the aggregates, uh, or something to that effect. And, uh, I mean, that for me personally is a a freeing yeah. <laughs> uh, term, just have a good time. Yeah. Hey, what, we, why shouldn't, why wouldn't we? Yeah. We're, this is liberation. Yeah. It is a good time, we should have a good time. Uh, and one of the, you know, when I say uh, we should treat ourselves in the Dhamma gently, that's also what I mean. That The Dhamma is best developed with a light attitude, not some, you know, pious, religious, honorific way. It's fun. This is this is the best fun in life. So we should have fun doing it. And again, it, 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 I try to instill that here. I think you all see it. I mean, I, I see anybody walking around here with a pious face. They're out the door because that's not the Dhamma. One of the things that are remarkable about our retreats and our classes is how much laughter there is here. I I, I was in many many. That's not to say there's never any laughter, but I never heard any except maybe after dinner on a Sunday afternoon up at up at uh, I don't need to recognize the place, but. Or, Identify the place, but I didn't hear it was always so pious and I don't know it it, it, it felt it felt like um, it felt like Sunday school to me all the time, you know we, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to get through this awful human being that I am and I need to be saved. What a miserable way! But I spent you know I spent years of my life trying to do that. That's why I say we're not here to fix a broken self. We're here to have fun because life is fun. Thank you, Andrew. Right, Ron? Yes. Yeah. Uh, to come back to, to um, <clears throat> uh, how the Buddha teaches and um, uh, you know and, and to see him as, as a just another human being uh, I, I happen to go back to the uh, uh, Tanisara's um, translation of this sutta and <clears throat> uh, which is quite a bit longer oh, yeah. and it has all these exchanges that happen during this debate yeah and, and and at one point, the Buddha is, is is talking to Sakaka, and he says, "Look at yourself. You're sweating. You know, your robe <laughs> is stained with sweat. You know, you're having a hard time here. You know, you recognize that that you're you're just completely off the track yeah. here. Recognize the wrong effort because that's yeah. how it's manifested. Yeah. And then and then Sakaka comes back and 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 asks for a a, a fearless dharma." Which to me is uh, is an amazing statement. It is um, that he recognizes that his whole effort in life is based in fear. Yep. Um, so Wherever there's greed, there has to be fear. Wherever there's fear, there's greed. It's just yeah. the way it is. So it's uh, this. 
this is a, a, a really nice sutta to, 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 to dive into um, and, right? and, and, and to remember when you're dealing with somebody who wants to debate you. Yeah. It's, first of all, don't get into it. Uh, don't get and into second, it. If you, if you need to come back with something, come back with the Dharma. That's yeah. it. I, it's, it, it's interesting that another major form of Buddhism, we've all seen those videos of the, the yeah. Thai people jumping up and down and hooting and hollering, and, that, and, that, and whoever wins the debate, it proves that their form of Buddhism is the right one because they, were the, they did that right. And I, again, that, that's part of a culture. There's nothing wrong with it, that, and we should respect it. So I hope I'm not, I don't act like I'm denigrating because I don't need to. Personally, I think it's kind of silly. But that's what people do. It's just not what the Buddha taught. That's all. That's all. And so we don't debate. I think it might have been Tom that asked me, and you could tell me if, if I'm wrong. It doesn't really matter. It's not that germane. But um, would I debate another Buddhist teacher or a group? And I get asked that somewhat often, a couple times a year. And I, I always say no. I said I'd be happy to sit down and, t- and explain something to the Dhamma or invite someone to just join a class if they're interested in what I teach. But I have no interest in debating someone because that would mean that I'm, I want to beat them. And I don't. I don't, I don't care to convince anyone of the Dhamma. I, I just do care that I convince myself enough that I would practice it. And that's all. I'm, I am incredibly... My life is incredibly rich and full because other people have decided to practice too. But that's it. You know, it, 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 it's because... It, it's because of the Dhamma that my life is incredibly rich and full. It's not because I'm such a great teacher that I have a couple of people that listen to me. It's because I get to share the Dhamma with people that know the Dhamma. You know, that, that, that's incredible. Adam, how are you this morning? I'm very well done. Thank you very much. <clears throat> uh, I argue with, uh, with Alex about the drama of this one. It'd be a good movie. You know, like Quentin yeah. Tarantino could do it. Could do ah. <laughs> well, who, who's going to do the teacher, though? I think Ben Kingsley. Ah, there you go. Kind of. Any rate, uh, I was really, um, honestly, uh, really taken with what David just said about the sense of permission you get from acknowledging you don't have dominion over these things. Yeah. And that's kind of what, uh, what's his name, um, the debate war uh, came to eventually. Yep. Mm-hmm. He, he gave himself permission and, and you know, you know, wanted to turn himself over to understand the Dhamma. Yeah. Dhamma by itself. Um, yeah. The other thing I want to say is that I'm, I'm like you, I came from a, uh, my first deep dive into Buddhism was via the modern traditions and, and uh, I was like, wow, there's an awful lot of stuff going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was never taught in any of those uh, classes, this was, you know, five years of college and a year of graduate school and plenty of other experiences afterwards, um, was the sense that uh, a lot of these teachings, all these this, these suttas are about what the Dhamma isn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm struck by that because this, I feel like a, you know every other sutta we've been reading for the past uh, few months has been about what it isn't and how, how not to you know start attributing all these other things to either the Dhamma or the Buddha or anything else. Yep. And uh, I think this is, that's just fascinating. It doesn't come out. That never came up in any other sort of modern studies I came across, um, which maybe why it was so hard for me to grasp, because it was everything but the Dhamma. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway. and there's that fabricated, you know, bent towards reconciling that they're all one thing. Yeah, yeah. And so you can't, you can't teach, teach the discre- discreteness of one thing at the same time you're saying it's all one thing. It, yeah. just, it doesn't allow for it. Yeah. As far as also get at home, I've got a... 
a book called Debate in Tibetan Buddhism. It's about two and a half wow. inches thick. I've never cracked it. <laughs> if I could still read, I'd love to read it. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good doorstop. Makes yeah. some nice doorstop, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much. That was wonderful. Uh, uh, and thank you, everyone else, for the comments. Yeah, and thank you, Adam, for, for your comments and being a part of our Sangha. Thank you all. I mean, this, you know, I just said it. We have a, a remarkable, vibrant Sangha, and I've never been a part of a Sangha like this, ever, my whole life. It's this well focused. So, and that's that's all because of you, um, and your teacher that looks a little bit like Ben Kingsley. On a very good day. But maybe you could start calling me Sir John. That wouldn't be Sir too John. too much to have. No. <laughs> but again, it, it, it's uh, to be a part of a song that it lasts. You know, I don't, I don't think we ever had one class that didn't we didn't at least have one good laugh in it. Right? You, you, you got it. You gotta, you gotta do it. We'll finish with um, with meta as we always do, as long as I can find it. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna take up the. Um, I mean, this this suit to fit into the structure study too. But we're gonna take that up again next Tuesday, with two classes Tuesday and Saturday on the Anapanasati Sutta. Uh, which is how we concluded the Vipassana study in the past. But I'm adding one more sutta, the Upada Sutta, which the Buddha talks about the importance of a well-informed and well-focused Sangha. Um, the Metta Sutta, as translated by the Amaravati Monastery in London, England. The Buddha's words, This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Wishing in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short, or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her, her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness for over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class today. Thank you, John. Peace. Thank you, John. See you all. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.